Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me, and the Lord set me free. Out of his time of turmoil and distress and anguish, he said, I called on Adonai, I called on Yahweh, and not only did he answer me, he he set me free. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, Romans 7, 24, New American Standard Translation says this, wretched man that I am. I sometimes feel that way, don't you? Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the Old Testament, the psalmist said, Lord, you set me free. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, when he looked at his condition and his sinfulness and his brokenness, he said, I'm a wretched man, who's going to set me free? And he declared, thanks be to Jesus. He's the one, he's the only one that can give me Gospel freedom. As you open to the book of Galatians, you open to one of Paul's first letters. Paul wrote to this region called Galatia. And he writes to them, and really really he spares no punches. He comes at them pretty quick and he says in verse 6, I'm astonished, I'm shocked and amazed that you are abandoning, that you are deserting the gospel that you once held to. What are you doing? Right? There's not another gospel. Don't leave it, right? And they were pretty much Jewish Christians. And the temptation was always to run back to religion instead of a relationship. To run back to the do's and don'ts that Judaism prescribed them, right? And so he writes one of his first letters early on and says, Look, you've heard about this gospel of grace. Please don't turn from it. I beg you. You see, Paul, when he got saved and transformed on the Damascus Road, he became a freedom fighter. Right, Even yesterday they were celebrating that freedom fighter, Martin Luther King, and his march on Washington. We've seen many freedom fighters, right? From the American Revolution, George Washington and others, to, to even modern day freedom fighters. And Paul was a freedom fighter. In Galatians, he was fighting for the freedom that the gospel of Jesus provides. He says, I'm going to fight for that kind of freedom. It's a gospel freedom. It's a freedom that liberates from sin. It's a freedom that that sets you out of the orphanage that's terrible called sin's dominion, right? And and it sets you free. It welcomes you into a a home where you're loved and you're cared for and you're you're given a new name. It, it, It releases you from the chains of prison and bondage and sets you free to run in the pasture. The gospel liberates. Paul was a freedom fighter. Martin Luther, the reformer, he was a freedom fighter, right? All of those great reformers, they were fighting for the freedom of the gospel. And they were saying, you don't have to run to the laws that the Catholic Church is telling you, do this and pay this and, and, and you know, this many rituals and, and customs. And Paul said, no, the gospel is 
freedom. And so all those reformers, when they were nailing their 95 theses or, or they were standing up, they were fighting for the freedom of the gospel. And Martin Luther loved the book of Galatians. He actually said something like these words, if I could be married to an epistle, Galatians would be my wife. He loved it. He wrote a great commentary on it. I highly recommend it. You can get it in modern words, right? And he said, though, Luther said this. He said, I would rather you read Galatians a thousand times than read one thing written by Martin Luther. But he would go on to say many great things. Luther showed us in his commentary in Galatians how this inspired letter, how this inspired book of the Bible taught and prescribed gospel liberty, gospel freedom. Do you know freedom today? Do you really know what it's like to be free, free forever? Have you experienced gospel freedom? The gospel, as we said, it, it liberates us. This is the message that we proclaim. We too are, are freedom fighters. We want people to be set free from sin and set free from rules and religion and rituals. And we proclaim liberation through Jesus Christ, through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, right? Through faith alone and in Christ alone, the gospel liberates. But the gospel sets us free. It, it frees us from so many things, right? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, freedom is like a two-sided coin, right? Freedom has these two sides. Number one, it frees us from. And number two, it frees us to. It frees us from. And it frees us too. I remember hearing one of our uh, former Southern Baptist guys talk about going to the orphanage and, and adopting his son. And he was adopting him, setting him free from this orphanage in Russia and, and setting him free to a home in the States, right? With Happy Meals and, and all these great things. And he, he talked about even that young son and that boy not understanding and kind of crying and wanting to go back to the old not understanding that, right, you're free from that. You don't have to go back to that sin and law and bondage and, and, and rules. And that's what Galatians is about, right? You're set free from that. And you're set free to this. Oh, that we could understand the happy meals that we have and the home that we have. And if we could understand what we have in Jesus, see, we're always prone to go back to the bondage, right? Back to Satan's lies, back to the shame, back to the sin, back to our former way. You've been set free from that, right? Oh, go to your new home and to your new father and, and, and understand who you are now in Christ. It frees us from and it frees us to. And so I went through Galatians and I came up with just nine right, freedom aspects that I saw. And I want to give you this main statement. Just the main statement of the sermon, the main point, if you will, the, the main point of really in a lot of ways, I think, of Galatians, my own words. The gospel frees us from sin and legalism into full acceptance and inclusion. The gospel frees us from sin. It also frees us from legalism, works, ritual, religious type of thing. It frees us from that. Frees us from, but it frees us to full acceptance with the Father, full acceptance with God, the God, and full inclusion, right, into the Christian life and into the family of God and inclusion into our great inheritance, that place that we looked at last week. Oh, what a glorious statement that is. If we could but comprehend it, 
it touch our hearts. It, it move our hearts. Wow. That's what's happened. The gospel has freed me from my sin. Prisoner no more. It's freed me from a list of do's and don'ts. And now I have full acceptance with God. Wow. I have an inheritance. I have a place that's being prepared for me. Right? Our hearts would never be the same if we could but understand it. So the gospel frees us. We're going to look at nine ways the gospel frees us this morning if you're taking notes. Galatians 5.1, as I said, is a pretty key verse. Galatians 5.1, you can turn there, right? So you're just going to be turning a couple of pages back and forth. Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Sometimes even a rabbi's teaching was called his yoke. Don't go back to that teaching of slavery or really that yoke of slavery, that, the illustration that you bear, right? For freedom, Christ has set us free. If you are in Christ, you are free. Stand firm then, right? Don't go back to that. In John 8.36, Jesus would say these words, right? Uh, even Martin Luther King and some of the others would, would quote this, uh, maybe at times out of context, but uh, John 8.36 If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He started it this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He'll set you free today. So let's look at those nine aspects and look at some of the verses in the book of Galatians. Number one... I want you to see today, God wants you to see in, in this book, that the gospel frees us from sin and the evil system that we live in. The gospel frees us from sin and the evil system that we live in. Look at verse 3 and 4. Paul writes early on, and he says this, Grace to you, in his greeting, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He gets to the amen pretty quickly in this letter, the benediction pretty quickly. He says this, that Christ Jesus received our works. No. That Christ Jesus did what? Verse 4. Gave Himself for our sins. Right? Luther would say, read that. Gave Himself for our sins. I mean, it's almost like with, with, with understanding, He didn't say put your name there, but He was almost implying that. Read that and put your name there. Who, who gave Himself for my sins. Right? Who gave Himself for Eric's sins, for Amandalin's sins. Right? He didn't received our works, right? He gave Himself. Nobody took His life, right? He, he gave Himself for what? For our sins. Wow. To free us from our sins, right? Chained to the sin in the past, no more. Free. And He also says this. He gave Himself not only for our sins, but He also gave Himself to deliver us from the present evil age. This present evil system that we live in, right? One day we will be even liberated from that. But, but we're not a brother to the world. 
we're a brother to Christ, right? We're, we're not the family of the world. We're a family of God and part of the kingdom of God. And so in some ways, we have been delivered from this present evil age, and then ultimately one day we will be forevermore delivered from that evil age. He's, he's done this. He's, he's freed us. It was God's will, right? He says, to the glory of God forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful that we're free from the past, the sin. I, I don't know, does the enemy ever bring that stuff up in your head like he does in mine? Sometimes you go back to sins that you committed and, and you think, ah, my, man. When it happens, right, we go back to the gospel and say, I've been free from that. Right? It can result in praise and honor to Jesus that Christ died for that, that he, he nailed that sin to the cross. You're, you're free from that. You don't carry that around anymore. He frees us from this evil system, right? Sometimes you, you look at it and you just go, oh my goodness, this world that we live in, it's a mess. And you can go back and go, but you know what? I'm, I've ha I have experienced freedom from that, and one day I will ultimately experience freedom from that. This world's not my home, right? Free, free. Number two, the gospel frees us from needing the approval of people. From needing the approval of people. He goes on, right, as I continue in, in chapter 1, I get down to verse 10. And he says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. He comes at him strong, right? He says, why are you abandoning the gospel? But what he basically says is, look, in me saying this, am I trying to please people or am I trying to please God? And the point is, I'm trying to please God. I'm not worried about the approval of others and, and what they're saying and what these false teachers and these Judaizers were saying. And what I see out of that is the second aspect, that the gospel frees us, just as it freed Paul, from needing the approval of people. I mean, I first put of seeking the approval of people, but we're still going to do that, aren't we, in our fallen state. But the gospel will come and say, yeah, but you don't need to seek it. You don't need the approval of somebody else. You don't, you don't need that person coming over you and saying, yes, uh, this person, right? You have what God says about you. You only need God's approval. Look at how he even opened the letter. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, that means a sent one, not from men. They didn't send me. The church didn't send me. The disciples didn't send me. Nor through man, but through who? Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He basically even says, and you'll, you'll see some of it if you continued in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. Hey, look, I didn't need their approval to, to preach the gospel. I didn't need the approval of man. The gospel set me free from that, right? When Christ changed my heart, he gave me everything that I needed to go and to, to proclaim. Guess what? You don't have to care what they think. Right? The gospel frees you from that. What's, the greatest thing has already been said about you. It, it's been said by God, right? You are forgiven. You are free. You are a child of God, right? You, who cares what they say about you? You don't have to care. The gospel sets you free from needing their approval. You don't need their approval, right? Martin Luther didn't need the approval of the Catholic Church, right? He's like, I'm free. The gospel frees. I don't need what the Pope says me to be or declare me to be, right? Galatians, you don't need what the Jews and Judaizers declare you to be. If any man is in Christ, he's, he's a new creation, right? He's free. He's free indeed. I like that. When we become a Christian, free from sin, past 
free from this present evil age, free from having to let other people determine our righteousness. No, our, our righteousness has been determined by, by Christ, right? We've been justified by Him. It doesn't matter what you think of me. Right? It's liberating. That's free. Three, the gospel frees us to be bold and confident in Christ. If you were to just read this letter, and I encourage it, you can do it very quickly, you'll see how bold Paul is. You'll see how confident in Christ he is. I mean, in chapter 2, he even talks about this time when he goes and he confronts Peter because Peter wasn't quite doing it right. Peter was pulling back a little bit and being a little bit wishy-washy in some areas, and the gospel freed Paul to go and to say, Hey, man, I need to hold you in line with the truth. Um, you're, you're kind of being wishy-washy on some things, and that's not right. He was bold in Christ. He was confident in Christ. Paul was able to be so bold with the, the churches in, in Galatia, right? Man, let me, let me tell you this, because the gospel's given me gospel boldness. It's given me gospel confidence, right? You can be bold when you share your faith on campus, student, Christian in the workplace. The gospel's given us freedom to, to be bold in Christ. In Christ, and in the flesh we'll be timid and weak, but we can be confident in Christ, right? We can confront sin, we can speak of righteousness, and we can speak of the gospel. And that's what this great letter is about. It frees us. Free to be bold. Free to be confident. Free to just be a servant of Christ, right? And it's not anybody's gospel. Look at verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me, it's not man's gospel. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it, he did, through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. He's bold now. He's confident in who he is in Christ. Number four, the gospel frees this way. The gospel frees us, fourthly, from our former way of an unregenerate life. Unregenerate just meaning not born again, not, not regenerated, not new, right? We once were dead, but now we're alive. And gospel freedom means you're free from that former unregenerate life in which you used to walk. Let's go to some verses here. Look at chapter 1, verse 13. Chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Remember, Paul's holding their coats while everybody picks up a rock to kill Christians. Paul wanted to kill Christians. He's going from town to town to try to persecute them and have them arrested. And he said, you know about my former way of life. I was against the church. I was against Christianity. I was against Christ. I was actually trying to destroy it. But the gospel has freed him from his former unregenerate life. Jump down to chapter 1, verse 23. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. He says, this is what they now hear. The gospel has freed me liberated me from my former unregenerate way of life. The guy that used to persecute the, the church is now preaching Christ in the churches, right? Preaching the faith. And he says, and they glorified God because of that. They saw how the gospel freed me. He continues to do this. Look at chapter 2, verse 20. He says it this way in a very popular verse. I have been, I have been. 
past, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live presently in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And He gave Himself for me. Paul, right? And Eric and Caleb and others. This is what he's saying, right? The gospel has freed me from my former way of an unregenerate life. That has died. That was crucified with Christ. And I no longer live that life. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, right? He loved me. He gave himself for me. I was crucified with Christ. It's freed me from that. I'm, I'm a new man, right? I'm a new man. So, he continues. Look at chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He talks about them and their state and their condition. Freed from that unregenerate life. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature that are not gods. It's not a good orphanage to be in. It's not a good prison to be in. It's not a good slave farm to be a part of. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, he says, be known by God, uh, his better theology, how in the world can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles, those basic fundamentals of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? What are you going back to that? He says, you observe days and months and season and years. Ah, oh, preached in vain for you guys, right? Like, what am I doing? He says similar things in Colossians, right? What are you doing going back to that? Don't run back to the prison. Don't run back to the orphanage. Don't run back to that slave. You're free. But he's saying, look, the gospel has freed you from that former way of life, that unregenerate life, and now you have gospel freedom. Don't go back to the world's way of thinking, to that system of this world. No, no, no. The gospel is better. It's so much better. We sang, right? Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began. That's the gospel, isn't it? Free. Do you know that? Freedom from a former way of an unregenerate life. Jesus would say, you must be born again. This is the only way that you experience freedom. You must be born again. Fifthly, fifth aspect of gospel freedom, the gospel frees us from legalistic rituals and customs. Legalistic rituals and customs. And Paul preaches to them, you don't have to go back to all the the Jewish things. Colossians is similar. You don't have to go to some of the things that the the people in Colossae were, were teaching, which was a mixture of Jewish rules, and it was also a mixture of their culture and and mystic stuff and aesthetic stuff. So what Luther was saying, you don't have to go to the rituals and customs of the Catholic Church. You're free from that. So let's look, starting in chapter 1. Look at chapter 1, verse 14. Chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the 
traditions of my fathers. But when he, who has set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I preach him among the Gentiles, and he just goes on. He's saying, oh, let me tell you, at one time I was good at the rules and rituals and the customs of Judaism. I was topping my class, he said. I was better advancing beyond those of my very own age, verse 14. He says, but when the gospel set me free, it set me free from that. It set me free from that religion that could never take away my sins. Right? If you have been clothed in robes of righteousness, why would you go back and try to pick up the old clothes of sin and legalism and works and put those back on, right? Yuck! Right? Lay them down, Paul was saying to the people of Galatia. You don't run back to that old outfit of, of do this and don't do this, and right? You don't go back to Mount Sinai when you have Mount Calvary. You understand? Keep going. Look at chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. He talks, I'm just, we're, we're, you have to read the whole book, right? But I'm trying to give you the, the big picture. He says, but even Titus, who was with me, wasn't forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers, secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we didn't yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. See, there were some that wanted Titus to be circumcised. The guy's not Jewish. The guy's Greek, right? We saw that in, in his book, Titus, and when he's on Crete. And so they want him, they say, Paul, Titus needs to be circumcised. Paul goes, no. And I'm not giving in to that for one moment because the gospel has set us free from rules and rituals and customs. That doesn't apply to this guy, this Gentile. He's been set free, so I'm, I'm not going to give in to that. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. For certain men, before certain men came from James, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, these Jews came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. That's another name for the Jews. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. In this verse, it's the verse I was telling you about where Peter... When nobody's around, you know, he's, he's a Jew, right? He's eating with Gentiles, no big deal, hanging out with them, partying. Well, his Jewish guy's buddies come, and he's like, oh, um, no more hanging out with the Gentiles. And Paul goes, man, that's hypocritical. If the gospel has set you free, then you have freedom from that rule and ritual and custom of not, you know, hanging out with unkosher people, the uncircumcision. And, he, and, he, and Paul's bold and confident and says, hey, uh-uh, the gospel frees us from that. Free free. Jump down. Chapter 3, verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Did you know that you and I are cursed? We're born cursed. Many people are still cursed. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. I don't know about you. Did you keep all the Ten Commandments? Did you keep all the book of the law? I didn't. The Bible says then we are cursed. Any man that doesn't keep the entire Torah is cursed. Wow. 
right? But we have to have something happen. So if you're relying on the works of the law, you're under a curse because you're not going to be able to do them. But verse 11 says, Now it's evident that no one is justified, declared righteous, declared right, before God by the law. Thank God, because he says, quoting Habakkuk, The righteous shall live by faith. It's not by works and rules and religion law keeping. It's by faith. Because you'll just remain under the curse, trying to do and do and do and clean up your own life. No. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. One more verse. Look at chapter 5, verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Again, he's saying, look, if you, if you make that a requirement for the Christian life, you, you've thrown out Christ. If you say that that's what's got to happen, you're adding, a, you're adding something to check, right? If we add something to faith alone in Christ alone, we're adding a check, right? If you, if you add circumcision, if you add do this, do that, then it, all of a sudden it's a work and it's no longer Christ's work. It's no longer by faith. So the gospel... It frees us from legalistic rituals and customs. Nothing wrong with circumcision, right? I mean, we still practice it today. Medical reasons, you know, in the hospital, babies. and uh, it's, it, right? Nothing wrong with the, 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 the things that we do, but when we look to that do for salvation, it's a problem. Because the Bible never says do, the Bible says done. Right? Finished on the, on the cross. Thank God Christianity is not about a bunch of rules to keep. Amen. It's not. A lot of churches don't know that. Christianity is not about a bunch of rules to meet and requirements to meet. One of the things that he says here, and especially in the book of Romans, is the gospel frees us from these things. Let's keep going. Six. The gospel frees us from justification by works. You are either justified by grace or by works. It's either one or the other, right? If you are justified by grace and then you are kept by works, it shoots itself in the foot. You were never, it was never grace then, it was works, right? But he goes to show us, all the reformers did, right? And Paul does here, that the gospel frees us from you're right because of what you do. You are accepted by God because of some work that you performed, that you did. So let me show you in the text. Starting in chapter 2, look at verse 16. We know that a person is not justified. It means it's the opposite of condemned. Justified means to declare righteous, to declare good. We know that a person is, is not justified. And you must be before God, right? Because God is good and we are not, so we have a problem. We must be declared good. We must be made good. We know that a person is not justified, declared righteous by works of the law. But how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by works. No. By what? Faith. Are you, you hold me accountable? Okay, holler at me now if I get it wrong. We've been justified by faith. I was just testing. In Christ and not by works of the law. Any good thing that we could do. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That, that's about as plain as it gets right there. To me, I, I pray it is to you. Do you see? 
Jump down to verse 19. For through the law, and it was good, I died to the law, right? Set free, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, not by works, in the Son of God who loved me, right, and accepted my works. No, He gave Himself for me. I don't nullify the grace of God. For if justification, if I could be declared right through the law, through a work, through a ritual rule, even that God said, He says, then Christ died for no purpose. What did He die for if it was something that you had to do? Why would you need the cross if it was dependent on you? Your salvation was dependent on you. No, it was by grace. We don't nullify that grace. Nothing that we can do because we can't, right? If you could, then Christ would die for no purpose. Keep going. Look down at verse 11 of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Jump down to chapter 3, verse 24. So then the law was our guardian. It's a good thing until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. There's a little section. I'm going to rabbit trail even, even though we're getting close on time. There's a little section right here where he talks about the law being a good thing and the law being a guardian. I transferred out of public school my my, well, sophomore year, I didn't go back. So I left freshman year, and I didn't go back. And I remember in the, in the locker room one day at, at PE, all the seniors were talking about the little motto for 1993. That's when I transferred out and didn't go back. And the little keychain was saying, you know, set free. Or no, it said finally free in 93. Finally free in 93, the motto of the class of 93. The motto of 94 was something like out the door in 94. I don't know. But, but 93 was finally free in 93. Think about what Paul's saying in, in Galatians 4 is this. From grades kindergarten to 12th, you are under a, a guardian until you are at a time when you are finally free. You've graduated and you are finally free. You're free to choose your college, yes, no, maybe. Right? You're free to enter the work. You're free, right? And that's what he was saying. Look, when, before Christ came, it's like you were in the school of the law uh, under that guardian. But in 93, finally free, the gospel freed you, and now you're free to, to live, right? You don't go back and, hey, can I go back to 10th grade and be under? No, the, it served its purpose. Now you're, you're mature, you're in Christ, you're free. Go and, go and be free. So that's what he's saying. The law was our guardian until Christ came. You get the diploma of salvation. Now you are, you didn't earn it, right? That's, don't take the illustration too far, right? right? But now you have this justification by faith. And, and things have changed. The gospel frees us from justification by works. Go to Romans, Galatians and Romans, the heart of the gospel. Paul preached this in the book of Acts, just so you see. I don't have time to take you there, but write it down. Acts 13, 38 and 39. In his sermon, he will say these exact words. Acts 13, 38 and 39. He will say it's not by justification by works, it's justification by faith. Seven. The gospel frees us, now not from, but to. The gospel frees us to become an heir. 
a son adopted into the family of God. Look at chapter 3, verse 26. We're free to something. He says, for in Christ you are all sons of God. Even girls, you are sons of God. That's important. Because you are His firstborn, you have a son has an inheritance. You are a son of God. In Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. It frees us to be a son, slave no longer. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a All right? You're a son of God. A son of God. He says, through faith. Jump down um, to verse 29. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The gospel frees you to be a child of Abraham, an offspring of Abraham. The gospel frees you to be an heir according to promise. You have an inheritance. That's what an heir is. You have an inheritance. Keep going. Look at chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. It says, God sent forth the Son, right? The Son was born under the law, and He would accomplish the law. He's the only one that's not cursed because He kept the law. And then verse 5 says, He did it to redeem those, set us free out of the orphanage of slavery and sin, and the, right, the, the prison of slave and sin, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive, we're free to receive this, adoption as sons. And because you are sons of God, He has sent the Spirit, Holy Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Don't you see it? The gospel frees us to be a son, an heir, adopted into the family of God. That's good news, amen? And all of these freedoms are reasons that we praise and thank God, right? I mean, we shouldn't just stick there and go, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. It should lead us to go, and yes, and praise God, and this is the gospel, and this is, this is my freedom. Number eight, the gospel frees us to do something. It frees us to love and serve others, do good. The gospel frees us to do that. We don't have to do that now. Now we're free to do that. The gospel, somebody said, is not do and live. It's live and do. Right? We live and now we do because the gospel frees us to do that. Look at chapter 2, verse 10. They only asked, those apostles, that we remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Said that when they thought about it, they said, look, the gospel doesn't require you guys to become Jewish and circumcise yourselves and all that. Look, just have faith in Christ and remember the poor. He goes, yeah, I was... I'm free to do that. The gospel frees me to do that. There's some better verses that show us that. Look at chapter 5, verse 13. This is one of the best ones. Chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Do you know why churches don't like to preach freedom? Because they're, they're afraid that they're handing you license to sin. And it's not the case. Freedom doesn't mean freedom to sin. Right? It doesn't mean we preach grace in order that we can go abuse grace. Right? That's, that's licentiousness. Right? No. That's, a, that's just as wrong as right, legalism. No. You were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, he says, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. It says the gospel frees you now to love. 
Not because you have to, but because you want to, because the Spirit's changing you. You're, you're free not to sin, but you're free to love and serve your neighbor and love your neighbor. Do good. Look at chapter 6, verse 3. Or, excuse me, 6-2. Uh, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's not the law of the Torah anymore. It's, the, it's a law of Christ. and You're free now to bear somebody's burden. To say, hey, how can I help you? And how can I, how can I walk with you through this difficult time? We can watch over each other. And that's what chapter 6 right in that context is, is teaching. Look down at verse 10. Chapter 6, verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. The gospel frees us to do that. right? Even those that we disagree with. We can do good even to Muslims and even right to atheists and even to those that preach works. We can still serve them, do good to everyone. But he says this, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. It frees us to love one another as brothers and sisters and to do good. And we're, we're free to serve. Lastly, number nine. We're out of time. The gospel frees us to live and to be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. The gospel frees us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. We can live in the Spirit now. We couldn't do that before, but the gospel has this freedom. It, it frees us too. Chapter 5, verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And they're always there, aren't they? We know them. We feel the temptations and the pressures. But now we're free to be filled by the Spirit, to say no to the flesh and to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you kept going, He's going to name the desires of the flesh, the works of the flesh, and then He's going to get in verse 22 to the works of the Spirit, or we call them the fruit of the Spirit, right? You've heard of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Right? The gospel frees you to produce that instead of all the other sin. Frees you to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Don't run back to that. Look at chapter 5 verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that's what the gospel frees us to do. The gospel frees us now to cry out, Abba Father, and we have the Spirit in us that's going to lead us and, and motivate us. And it's a beautiful thing. So I ask you today, are, are you experiencing this kind of freedom? Do you know gospel freedom? The one the sun sets free is free indeed. We don't have to run back to the old systems. Freedom because of Christ, because of the gospel. We learn in the gospel proclamation that freedom is needed and that it's provided, right? It's provided through Jesus. The gospel says it's needed and it's provided. How does God free us? The gospel. The blood of Christ secures our freedom. Salvation, he's saying, doesn't come from the Torah, but salvation comes through faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Salvation does not come through religion. It comes through a relationship. So let me close with these three facts about the gospel very quickly. Just as we stop this the last time and just appreciate once more what we have in the gospel. Remember these facts about gospel freedom. Number one, that freedom has a cost. Galatians 3.13 says this, Christ 
redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that's hanged on a tree. The cost of our freedom was the cross, the tree. Christ being hung there. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. In the very latter part, he said that Christ died. Christ died. That's the cost of our freedom. His death. Galatians 6 and verse 14. Far be it for me to boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul time and time again would remind us that the freedom's cost is the blood of Christ. Our freedom today, some of you are military, right? And veterans, right? Freedom always has a cost on the battlefield. And a lot of times it's the blood, right, of our citizens, blood of, of the armed forces. It's the cost of freedom. Well, the cost of our freedom in Christ is, is none other than the perfect blood of Jesus. Remember, His blood, His death. But secondly, faith, uh, excuse me, freedom has a responsibility, right? It doesn't mean that we just, oh, I can go and sin and I can just go and plot back and I don't have to do anything. No, as Galatians 5.13 reminded us, you were called to freedom. Now you have a responsibility, right, to use your freedom in the right way. And he says one of the ways you can do that is to love and to serve, right? Freedom now demands something of us, right? Our freedom in America has a responsibility, right? We, we have a responsibility, right, in government and, and also to our veterans. And we have a responsibility to preserve that freedom, right, to vote and to do other. Our Christian freedom has a responsibility that we live the faith, right, that we do what, what's required of us. Thirdly, the last one, I want to end here, that freedom has a goal. And we read it right away. Go back to Galatians 1.5. And we'll end with freedom's goal. What, what's the goal of all of this? He says, To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The goal of freedom is God's glory and God's glory alone. When we read all of this, it comes to us and says, how, how in the world can I take credit for my salvation and get glory in my own salvation as if something that I'm doing or something that I have done. The gospel says, the, right, the goal of this, the, the freedom is that God would be magnified, that God would be exalted, that He would receive all the glory forever and ever. Amen. So gospel freedom from Galatians. Get in it and read it and be encouraged. Be changed. If you don't know it today, come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, that by His blood He can set you free. Let's pray. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.